everyone. Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily, and I'm here with, of course, Chase. What's up? And we are a horror paranormal podcast that likes to tell each other true scary stories from all over the world. And I think we have some stuff to talk about. Yeah, so before we get started with our stories, which I know that's why everyone is here. <laughs> but I- we have to, like make a bunch of announcements we have to give like the super heads up on our life because i know it's super important to everybody yes Uh, a few weeks back on friday the 13th we had the opportunity to see the original friday the 13th in theaters uh it was kind of like a surprise showing that we only found out about a couple of days before uh it was actually going to happen so we went and saw it with our friends tom and alex and it was an absolute blast Granted, the audio was way too high. I've never been that person. It's like, turn down the music. I usually want theaters higher. I want it higher. And then this time I was like, holy cow, I'm actually like in pain. And I actually looked around and I saw the people in the theater. There were some people kind of covering their ears a little bit. It was (laughs) too high. And I should have gotten up and told them, hey, you need to turn it down. But I didn't because I'm lazy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, I'm sure my ears will be fine. It's not a big deal. But despite that, it was still amazing to actually see it. So much like when we saw Halloween on its anniversary in theaters, it's amazing just how much more powerful these old slasher movies are when you do see them on the big screen. Oh, yeah. The jump scares hit so much harder. Oh, my God. There was like this scene where that one girl's body like flinks through the window. Uh Uh-huh. It legit scared the hell out of me. I mean, it could have also been the incredibly loud noise that just shattered our eardrums yeah, was like the there's a time. plane coming in through the yeah it's just it felt like i was next to a jet engine or something but it was it was absolutely powerful i would also say that the movies felt less cheesy yeah and i think the reason is because these old slasher films were definitely done on a cheaper budget than like massive movies at the time you know and i'm i i don't know the specifics but you can only assume it's they're using cheaper film and they don't have the most elaborate lighting setups. Or and they don't have like time to set everything up perfectly. So it just has this look that isn't like all the other fancy movies at the time. But since most people were used to seeing these on old tube televisions at home, <laughs> it compounded that fact. Yeah. But when you see it on the big screen, it actually, even though it might have been cheaper equipment, it still gives it that extra cinematic flair that it was always missing when I saw it on the small screen. Yep. So the movie felt more like, cinematic yeah, for intense. lack of a better term right and it was just super amazing i'd say the scene that really was elevated was at the beginning so the movie the movie opens with a flashback ignore that but like when the actual movie begins there's this uh girl who's trying to hitchhike to the camp she's mm-hmm. going to be the cook yeah and she gets picked up in a jeep and you don't see the person driving because everything's from the point of view of the driver but she gets picked up in this jeep and then all of a sudden she like the danger of the situation dawns on her yeah. and everything gets intense. That scene, which meant virtually nothing to me when I saw it on the little screen, was one of my favorite scenes oh. seen on the big screen because the speed was so much more powerful when you see it on the big screen. The intensity and also the really loud music, that I, I think that actually became one of my favorite scenes. It was unsettling and it definitely made the whole, like her jumping out of the Jeep, more intense. I was like, yeah, that would have hurt. Absolutely. Absolutely would have hurt. And then- there's always this the factor of seeing a horror movie in the theater because all the people around you are reacting as well when they're scared. It helps make you more scared. Right. But sometimes it has a <laughs> negative effect. At the end of the movie, and I'm sorry if this is spoilers, but the movie came out 42, 43 years ago. So, <laughs> you know, deal with that. But when Mrs. Voorhees' head gets cut off. Yeah. 
most of the theater started laughing. I started laughing see, too. You see her hands <laughs> are kind of making these clenching fists. Yeah. You know, even though her head's not there. And you know what? I'm not a doctor. I don't know if physical reactions like that would or would not have happened, but the theater sure thought it was funny. I was not expecting that. I told I didn't expect to laugh, but I did. I was like, this is so ridiculous. I love it. But I can definitely say I'm super happy that I got to finally see this on the big screen. So now I'm pretty sure like my top 10 favorite horror films of all time I have now Ooh. seen in theaters, either on their original theatrical run or like this yeah. in a re-release, which is pretty important to me. We, I, we always talk about, you know, everyone always relates the original Halloween and the original Friday 13th as being, you know, kind of the big hitters in some early slasher films. And I've always told you, I can tell and I know that Halloween is a better movie. Everything about it is more cinematic. It's better written. It's better directed. Everything about it is better. However, for some <laughs> weird reason, I just like Friday the 13th more. It's I know. trashier, and I, I think I just like trashy things sometimes. I think you just so. you just like trashy things, and that's okay. That was just a little heads up. We've been uh, cranking away, working mm-hmm. on the, the underpinnings of... Hair of the Werewolf as we go forward, so we're happy we could finally sit down and do another episode. I know. I'm, I'm, it's been a while, and I'm actually feeling really energetic right now, so I'm pretty excited to get into the stories. I don't know. Absolutely. So I think I'm ready. So what do you have today? You were, you were kind of prefacing the other night that you had a weird story, <laughs> which is fantastic because mine is really weird today, too. So this might just be a weird day. And so, I think- I wouldn't necessarily say it's weird. I just meant, I said wild. That's what I said. So here we go. All right. Well, all I know is that you are drinking rum right now. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, is that just like out of the bottle? Like, I don't have <laughs> no, the bottle in my hand, rum. I yeah. have a rum and Coke cocktail. Yeah, no, it's it's fancy and it's in a dinosaur glass, you know, like a, <laughs> like adults will have. Of course. I, however, am having to be the responsible one drinking water from a canteen or whatever you call these things, thermos. A thermos? I yeah. don't know. Water container? So if you're not drinking tonight... I'm with you. And if you are drinking, Lily's with you. (laughs) Solidarity. We're here for you. All right. So kick it off. Okay. So my story for today is a famous story. It's Peggy the Doll. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No. And I can't not think of King of the Hill when I hear the name Peggy. It's so uncommon. I thought married with children. Peggy, because she her name is Peggy too, I think. Right? Oh yeah. But I think he always calls her Peg. So it looks a little different. I guess you're right. She's always Peggy in. Yeah. 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 Well, she's nothing like that. So here we go. Um, It's believed Peggy is possessed by an unrest spirit, but some people think it could be a demon. Those that dare look directly into her eyes have reported having extremely negative effects. Even just looking at a photo can cause harm. Oh, no. Oh, yes. So I don't, I can't see a photo of it. You cannot. No, no, no. So for this story, I'm going to have to slap on a warning. Although we don't uh, typically post uh, things that are haunted, we're definitely not going to with this doll, so don't worry. So if you're on social media... No don't, pictures of the doll. Yeah, don't be like trying to dodge our, our account or anything, because it'll be fine. But it is said that it still knows when it's being talked about. Luckily, though, I tried reading as much as I can about it, because from what I understand, there aren't any negative consequences when you just talk about Peggy. Only when you have a picture of her or, yeah, things like that. Fun. Yeah. I was going to ask, what does the doll look like? But I don't think I need to know. Well, don't worry. I'm still going to give you a description. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as long as it's not a stupid raggedy end doll. No, 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 no. So if you are like Chase and you have absolutely no interest in looking up the doll yourself, here is the description. She's a standard looking doll with short curly blonde hair, 
blue eyes and about three feet tall. Hmm. Sort of an American. Yeah, it is actually quite um, big, I guess. And she has an American doll quality to her. Wait, is that new horror film that just came out based on this? Because isn't there like that like robot doll, but it's like. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. No, not at all. I don't even remember what that movie's called, but all right. So uh, now that I've said that, I got to say, I've now stared into the doll's eyes like a thousand times because every single time I look up an article, the first thing that happens is that there's a close-up of her face. Oh, wow. So if you actually Google her name or whatever, just be prepared. That'll be the first thing you see. Interesting. That's your warning. And that's why I told you last week, I don't know if you remember, Chase, but I was like, don't look at my screen. Oh, and- <laughs> I thought you were just being like super paranoid thinking no. I was like trying to get a sneak peek at your story no, or something. No, I was basically I trying to save your life here. So Thanks. you're welcome. Yeah. But apparently putting <laughs> yours at great risk. Yeah, I guess so. I we do it for the, the podcast. podcast. Exactly. For you guys. All right. So let's start from the beginning. From what I read, the doll was purchased at a thrift store. I don't know who the original owner was, but basically uh, there is, this is just where the story begins. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The woman who purchased it all said that not long after the doll went home with her, the doll began having a negative effect on her mental health. She started having nightmares every night. She would wake up feeling hot and shaken. And also she was suffering from like fevers and hallucinations. It was clear that the doll was the cause of her ailments. There was no way of proving it, but she could feel it, like the maliciousness of it coming from the doll itself. Mm. Not knowing what to do, she decided to wrap Peggy in a carpet and store her away in the shed, uh, which I guess her idea was making sure that the doll was as far away from her as possible. I'm just going to take a second. I don't know if that was the best approach in general. Like <laughs> I feel like that's just going to anger the doll a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe she didn't know. I would just also like to say this is this is where a little bit of my crazy is going to come out because <laughs> I, I as far as I can tell, I've never owned anything that was possessed. Not that we know. Not of. that I know of, which I'm really hoping I can keep that rolling for the rest <laughs> of my life. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. Sometimes when I go to thrift stores. You know, because there's a lot of movies that have this idea of you find something like, I think even Hellraiser, guy found something mm-hmm. at a thrift store or whatnot. This idea, the Pandora box? You yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't the Pandora's box, but it was the Hellraiser cube or whatever. But yeah. Isn't that what it's called? I thought. it's The Pandora's box is is, is a historical, uh, not historical, it's a, it's like a mythological story. Right, which they wrote in the movie, I thought. Really? Maybe they did. Okay, I don't know. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> So it, it's kind of been ingrained in my mind, this idea that if you don't know the origin and something's used and it could have all kinds of horrible energy attached to it, you don't know if the last person owned it died holding it, things like that. Sure. I've always had this tiny little itch in the back of my head saying, if you buy something in a thrift shop, what if it's haunted? Oh. And so I hate to admit that there's this little thing in my Lingering. mind where I'm looking. And so my one of my fears is going to a thrift shop and finding like the ultimate piece of furniture that we've been looking for. We bring it home and it's like haunted AF. I have talked about a few things bought at thrift stores. I you're mean, definitely ruining it. Yeah. Me. So there's this doll. There was the black mirror, the dark mirror. And then there was also Dibbit box. the Dippet box. Although that one I think was supposed to be kind of already known to be haunted. Mm-hmm. I can't remember now. But and then there was like. The twin bed frame. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was such a long time ago yep. episode, but that was also a haunted item. <laughs> By the way, if any of this stuff fascinates you, please look back into our uh, episode history. We write in the descriptions what it's about. And yeah, you can, yeah. You can see all that stuff. But uh, 
that's always something there that kind of terrifies me. So now we uh, have, you have a, yet another story that just makes me not want to be a trendy <laughs> thrifter. So, uh, well, here we go. Well, anyway, like I said, she put her in the shed and as you can imagine, it did not work. Mm. The owner eventually sought the advice of her priest, but unfortunately he wasn't able to help her either. Her last resort was to go online and see what helpful advice she could find. She luckily found paranormal investigator Jane Harris. Harris ran an organization called Haunted Dolls, which is where people can safely send their haunted dolls to her. And some of my, like I was talking about some haunted dolls. I've covered other haunted dolls in different situations, not necessarily thrifting dolls. But either, like for some reason, there tends to be this notion that you can't just get rid of a haunted object unless it's accepted willingly by another owner. Mm -hmm. Got to pass it on. You got to pass it on for some reason. I imagine this was the case in this story. So Harris was more than happy to take it off her hands. Okay, so then this takes me into basically Harris's investigation. Immediately, Harris and her team investigated the doll. Many sessions were performed, including seances and writing sessions. What was concluded was that Peggy was possessed with a spirit, and this is kind of more or less the information they were able to gather. Peggy was a woman, born in London in 1946. She had died of a chest condition, possibly an asthma attack. Mm. Psychics believe that spirits was, or the spirit was incredibly strong and said it was, quote, relentless, frustrated, and previously persecuted and possibly had ties to the Holocaust, end quote. Oh, wow. Which Lynn, which uh, I would say leads to them believing that she might be Jewish. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, or... Or something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, in writing sessions, the term star and David also popped up. So I think that's kind of where they're also oh, going Oh, yeah, that, that kind of sense. I was going to say that... Um, it's a pretty good guess, assuming that she might be Jewish, because that obviously was the majority of the people. Sure. But there are, were other smaller groups, but with the start date, it was like, okay, now we're definitely kind narrowing of, it down. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Uh, Peggy seems to have an aversion to crosses. In mm. one session, a rosary was placed around her neck, and almost immediately the negative activities started up again. One more fact that kept coming up uh, is that she hates clowns. It was mentioned enough during sessions that it was something to note, but I don't know how it's related to anything else. Um, Harris posted a video in 2015 of her and Peggy driving around in a car. This was the first time Harris had posted an image of Peggy at all, so she didn't expect anything to come of it. Well, shortly after, dozens of emails and messages from viewers poured in complaining they had physical reactions after looking at the doll. During the time that Harris owned Peggy, she recorded over 80 cases of people complaining of the following. So people would get headaches, chest pains, Shortness of breath, nausea, intense anxiety, feeling drained of energy, an overwhelming sadness, getting a nosebleed, which I get all the time, so I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Getting red painful marks on the body, feeling like you're being stabbed, and in one extreme case, a heart attack. A woman reported that after viewing the video, she began to have chest pains and then collapsed. The woman wanted to stay anonymous, so I don't know much about her. In one article, it said that she was 27 years old. So if that's the case, it just makes it a little more eerie, I think. Assuming she didn't have pre-existing medical conditions. Right. It's kind of like uh, Disney World. Uh, whenever like someone actually dies, and no one's, no one's ever been reported dead at Disney World, that's because the 
They make sure the coroner to announce it outside of property. Yeah, the ambulances right? don't declare death until you've left the grounds. It's yeah. kind of their policy. But people have passed away on at mm-hmm. Disney World, Disneyland, and everything. And usually when it happens, it is it is unfortunately people that tend to have really crazy pre-existing right. conditions. It's really sad. But uh, yeah, you always got to wonder about that when someone's so young. Yeah, and I wish I could find more information. I wish I could because I want to know. But I'm all about her wanting to be anonymous. I mean, absolutely. You know what I mean. So I don't blame well, her because you know people out there who are going to be. There are people who believe and people who are skeptics, and in those groups, there are jerks. They are. And, and yeah. You could have a skeptic who's like, "I this person's like dumb. They don't know what they're talking about, and they're just going to harass like, them." Who wants to be people. called dumb or fake or yeah. something? And you're like, I actually had a heart attack. Whatever you think might have been the cause. It's none of your business. I don't know. So it anyway. might be my elder millennial speaking, but I'm really <laughs> I'm really excited about us maybe getting to a world with a little more anonymity. Yeah, just slightly more. And here we are on a podcast. Okay. <laughs> People don't know us. People don't know me. Just kidding. This is basically me. Okay. <laughs> but getting sick isn't the only reaction Peggy is able to manifest. Some people claim to hear strange sounds around the house for a couple of days, hearing whispers, getting visual hallucinations of a mental institution. Dogs can behave very strange, like they would start barking at random parts of the room when no one else was around. Some would spin in circles and bark as if they were chasing something. Mm -hmm. In some cases, when people are looking up pictures of Peggy, their computers will suddenly freeze, forcing them to look directly into her eyes, letting them know that she's staring right back at them. I mean... When they say yeah. forcing them, I was like, you know, you cannot look at your computer screen. Just a heads up. I can't stop, Chase. <laughs> um, light bulbs will flicker or explode. Mm. Feeling like someone in the room is there, like staring down at you. And then hearing something moving or shuffling around. So it's very obvious there's a presence, but you just can't see it. Now, I would say at least with that last one, if I'm if I freak myself out and I psych myself out, mm-hmm. every noise around me, I'm going to overanalyze. So that one I'm going to take with a grain mm, of salt. That's but true. Light bulbs don't explode when I psych myself out. So those, <laughs> I don't know. those are the kind where I'm like, okay, that's intense. Ours might cuz we have the worst electrical wiring yeah, in our we house. Got aluminum wiring here. So if you ever if we ever stop posting episodes, maybe we did. It's because our house <laughs> burned down. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. One psychic who previously had a writing session with Peggy started discussing about it on Facebook when she noticed that her comments kept duplicating. Mm -hmm. This is what the psychic said about it. Quote, when I commented my thoughts and feelings about Peggy, all of my comments were duplicated. No one else's, just mine. I tried commenting on other threads and nothing happened. But as soon as I went back to that one, the same thing happened. My dog started barking and my face became very hot and flushed. Wow. I felt like I wasn't alone, end quote. She goes on to say that she ended up apologizing to Peggy, which immediately relieved her of the symptoms. I I don't know. I guess Peggy has a really hard time when people talk about her behind her back or like reveal information that might have been learned from her because that seems to be another kind of another effect that she oh, okay. that she does. That she doesn't like it when people talk about her. So here we are. <laughs> Talking about her. <laughs> but I'm not saying anything new. This is already out there. Peggy can also infect people's dreams. There was a report where the doll visited a woman's dream and warned her about her cat. The next morning, she found that same cat very sick and who unfortunately ended up passing away. So this one's kind of interesting because it felt like Peggy was helping her instead of cursing her. Interesting. So maybe Peggy's not all bad. Which brings me to the fact that I actually had a Peggy dream 
last Monday. Are you serious? Or last Sunday night, yeah. So it wasn't scary or anything, but it was basically me arriving at a carnival, and it was like full of, of clowns and of all shapes and sizes, some as tall as like a house, some as small as like my hand. And it was someone like was with me. I can't remember who it was, but they were like, yeah, that's a manifestation of Peggy's nightmare. And you're just seeing it right now. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. It does. It does sound nightmarish to me. So it was, I'm going to agree with that. I wouldn't say I was super scared, but I was like, what the hell? Like, why am I here? And then my dream changed as they usually do. But yeah, that was that was very strange. But I have weird dreams all the time. So I don't know. Harris has researched countless of dolls and she believes that the most that most of them can be explained away by non paranormal reasons. However, she admits that Peggy is one of the rare few that's different. She said during one of her sessions, quote, just the other night we held a session with her and I made lots of notes as the pendulum was going crazy. The next morning, I couldn't find my notepad anywhere. And when I did find it, I couldn't even reach it, end quote. So apparently the notebook was found stuffed between the beams in the basement ceiling. Her husband had to get like a ladder and retrieve it or whatever. And Harris believes this was Peggy's way of telling her she didn't want any information about her being revealed to the public. So again, she doesn't want to be talked about. Here are some preventative measures. Don't look at the doll. Okay. That's basically it. Done. <laughs> but also, so I guess Harris can actually do something about it when she was, when she did own the, the doll herself. Um, she would take Peggy to an isolation room and ask her very nicely to stop tormenting strangers online or any, or, you know, someone who might've looked at her, which actually did work. Like there would be almost a zero complaint time frame, but that only lasted so long. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately it comes up again. Okay. So where is Peggy now? She currently lives at the Zach Bagans Museum in Las Vegas. He's that guy you don't like from Ghost Hunters yeah. or Ghost Adventures. Sorry. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. And he also has another show called Deadly Possessions that's basically dedicated to haunted objects. I wasn't able to watch the episode with Peggy the doll, but here are some highlights that I learned from it. They experienced equipment issues like batteries dying, uh, flies manifested out of nowhere and swarmed Zach as a dark energy overcame him. Mm. This is what he said. A typewriter started typing by itself when he had a seance with a medium. And there were apparently a lot of different poltergeist activity, like sounds and noises and knockings, things like that. Now, the museum itself, before you enter Peggy's room, people need to sign a release form and is advised to not look directly at her. Peggy has cameras on her all the time and a spirit box as well. So that way, if she has like the urge to communicate, she has that ability. So I can already assume you're interested in going to the... <laughs> The, the Zach Baggins Hotel or, or uh, museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do, I do want to go. Actually, I've had a couple of friends who went there. They did see Peggy the doll. I cannot remember, and it bugs me if they actually looked directly at her or not. But they did make sure to say goodbye or hello and goodbye when they entered and then left because they don't want anything following them. And they do sure. advise that as well. So they kind of give you a rundown, like what to do and not to do when you go see the doll herself. Which actually brings me to online reviews I found <laughs> of the museum with right. Peggy. Okay, let me take a sip here. While you're doing that, I'm going to let you know that that's a museum <laughs> that you can definitely do with anyone you want. Yes. Not me. 
Oh, I know, because as I've discovered when I was reading, you know, more about Peggy and the, the museum itself, there's like a list of haunted objects. There's just infinite and amount of in, material. It's in Vegas, right? It's in Vegas, yeah. Yeah, that sounds exactly like something Zach Baggins would do. He's like, where should I set up this museum? Vegas. Yeah, I think it's Baggins. Baggins, man. The only reason why is because I used to say that too, because Lord of the Rings, duh. So, yeah. Uh, but I don't even know when we're going to go to Vegas. Vegas isn't really our cup of tea. Yeah, I so, don't know. We'll Maybe see. one day. Who knows? Okay, so the first review is from Laura A. She said, the room with the doll named Peggy also had a feeling like you are not alone. When I walked by her, I stood in front of her for a moment, making direct eye contact and have no idea why. We were warned. I said my hello and goodbye to her as I was instructed, but as I was walking away, I experienced a sharp pain in the right side of my lower abdomen, almost like a stab. Five out of five. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This next one is two pea shooter. My wife had a brilliant experience with Peggy, introducing herself as Rebecca and asking her, how are you, Peggy? Which the reply was, I'm fine, and goodbye, Becky, when she said bye. Five out of five. So that's kind of cool, because it kind of gave her, like, the nickname. Yeah. Even though she said, my name is Rebecca. Sure. Ricky P. said, while we were viewing the Peggy doll, my phone started vibrating in my pocket. When we moved out of the room, I checked my phone, and it was my sister from North Carolina calling and texting me. She said I must have butt-dialed her, because she could hear us. I have never had a butt-dial incident with my screen locked. I have an iPhone, and when I checked my call log, there was no record of an outgoing call to my sister. Four out of five. <laughs> now, I'm going to say, he may not have had a butt dial before with an iPhone, but our your sister, my sister-in-law, she has an iPhone, and all her butt does is call us. <laughs> it has a mind of its own, okay? Yeah, it's just like, how are Chase and Lily doing? Let's say hi. <laughs> I have like a feeling that, because she has kids too. And she's, like, fumbling around me with it, and she might forget to, like, lock it. That's my only assumption that happens here. No, I prefer the story that her butt misses us. Okay, sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Me too. Okay, so the next one is Laura B. She said, the creepiest part for me was meeting Peggy. You are able to ask her questions with the hope that she will respond. Through the spirit box, I assume? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can can talk to her if you want. That's not a problem, but they do warn you, like, don't. (laughs) (laughs) You can, but but don't. don't. So, you know, whatever. It's up to you. Uh, She said, "Um, my friend mustered the courage to ask Peggy how she was doing, in which Peggy very clearly responded, fine. After that, my friend turned to me and whispered, ask her a question, to which my dumbass responded, I don't want to talk to her. As soon as I said that, I thought to myself, why would you say that? And instantly got the sinking feeling in my stomach, hoping I didn't piss Peggy off. After meeting Peggy, myself and a couple were the last out of the room. The couple closed the door behind them, and we were waiting along the wall to move to the next room when a very audible and sinister childlike laugh came from the room. Mm-hmm. Now that's unnerving. That sucks. My friend, who was standing directly in front of me, did not hear the laugh, but it was clear as day. I turned around, and the couple behind me looked terrified, as they too had heard the creepy laugh coming from behind the door. To add to the creepiness... Of the situation, I woke up the next morning to a red burning rash around the front part of my neck. Never in my life have I gotten a skin rash like this or around my neck for that matter. I hope and prayed that it was a weird coincidence, but after what I said to Peggy and my belief in the paranormal, it makes you wonder. Five out of five. (laughs) (laughs) Makes you wonder. And this this is the last one and my favorite one. 
We brought rosaries and other protective items so we didn't experience much paranormal activity. But when we went to visit Peggy the doll, she said, you bitch. So that was pretty cool. Five out of five. (laughs) So I guess Peggy, she don't take shit. She could tell that that girl who walked in sucked and called her out on it. Well, here's the thing. If you remember uh, the rosary thing, she doesn't like it. So her breaking it actually might have conjured something more. Oh, yeah. That that totally tracks with... uh, Haunted stuff. Well, no, but what you were saying earlier. Yeah. It's consistent. It is consistent, and that's pretty impressive. And I got to say, there were many, 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 many encounters posted on, like, Yelp and TripAdvisor and all that stuff. Or not Yelp. What's the other ones that... Um, Yelp and TripAdvisor are the Oh, big I guess ones. maybe they are, but I can't remember what other review place I went to. Well, I mean, Google has its own reviews. I, oh, I read shoot. those I a lot, even, too. I didn't do Google. Yeah. Yeah, I usually use Google and TripAdvisor. I don't really use Yelp mostly because... Um, I think you have to pay or something. Like, people yeah. have been, like, screwed over because yeah, of it. Yeah, it used to pop up all the time on our results. It doesn't pop up as often as yeah. TripAdvisor and Google does now. I, I don't really have a specific reason other than it just doesn't show up in my results much yeah well anyway there are like tons more and of course i could like sit here and talk about it all day but, but obviously i can't uh, many were saying that they felt completely fine while touring the museum until they reached peggy so that is a really consistent part of the oh, reviews wow. so i when i was is it looking the dibbit box there too the dibbit box is there but that's the one that really terrified me okay that one kind of scares me too they did talk about other parts so um the dibbit box did come up so sometimes like i did crop some of the reviews i'm just gonna like go ahead and say yeah. that um, I was only focusing on the Peggy. They did talk about the bit, the bit box. So there okay. are some like hotspot yeah. places and um, Peggy was one of them. But it sounds like Peggy's a little bit different because it seems like the most important thing is if you're respectful towards Peggy. She doesn't you, seem to have an issue. Yeah, it seems like as long as you are a respectful, decent person to it, whereas some of these other things, it, it has nothing to do with your interactions or talking. Like it's if it wants to attack you, it's going to do it's it. It's mostly, I mean... Yeah, people might think, oh, well, she's sensitive. And I was like, I don't know. Like, no one likes to be talked about in a negative fashion. Absolutely so not. she just has the power to do something about it. Yeah. That's all it is. And I don't know. Like, usually at the end of my episodes, I say, like, oh, what theories do we have? There really isn't any. People seem content to believe that the doll is legitimately haunted. Mm-hmm. Some even go as far to claim that the doll is, is possessed by a demon. However, I would say there really is no proof. But people are like, how can she have such an impact and have a powerful reach? Sure. I don't know. But but like, being demonic and being, you know, a spirit, they're very different things. But, you know, to say that someone is an expert over what one or the other can and cannot do seems a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, like, I think they're just basing on power. But I'm like, it doesn't even track really, in my opinion, as a demon. Does it? Does she kind of do things that resemble other like you know we've had episodes about demons and what they do and yeah they can do like red marks on you and all these things but they tend to be from people who aren't who are just there like they don't even disrespect or anything but i'd also say people who consider themselves experts in this field seem to agree that this is a spirit of a a girl yeah as opposed to being a demon you know what as a non-expert that i am I'm more inclined to at least go along with the consensus that this is the spirit. I agree. And really all we can really based on this is like what Peggy is willing to share. Exactly. And that's what we know. That's all it is. So yeah, but that's, that's my story for today. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. (laughs) We should also say right now, if it, you know, assuming there's any truth to this story, if Peggy can tell that we're talking about her, 
we hope that it came off as respectful and we apologize if there was any offense. Yes. Yeah. And goodbye. And goodbye. <laughs> uh, but not to you listeners. Oh, no, no, not, not you. Yet. Um, so I don't like stories um, where I feel like talking about it scares me. Sure. But I think a lot of people love those stories because they're they particularly do. scary. Right. So we hope uh, those of you out there that like this stuff are creeped out. And if you are <laughs> a little bit unnerved by it like I am, well, oh sorry. well. <laughs> Lily's like, we got more in the future. Oh, yes. I got a whole list, y'all. So that was uh, that. I think what still shocks me the most is how big the doll is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I'd say three feet, maybe slightly smaller. That was just an estimate that I had. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not used to seeing dolls of what, what was it but, in uh, Princess Bride? Dolls of unusual size, but they were rats. Yeah. Rodents of oh, unusual size. Rodents, yeah. Yeah. It just reminds me of um, when I was a kid. Well, we were both kids at the same time because we're about the same age. In the early 90s, there was My Size Barbie. Okay, I wouldn't say she's as... I don't know, maybe she is. My Size Barbie was like... Four feet tall? Five feet? I, my okay, Size maybe Barbie not. was at least two and a half feet tall. Okay, maybe... I'd say, I'd say saying it was a 30-inch doll is a very safe estimate. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember in the ads, the girls would always say, I can wear her clothes. Oh, my. That, I mean, if your kid is big enough to play with a giant doll and can wear the clothes, that I, my assumption is... Three feet is not a ridiculous assumption. Yeah, maybe you're right. Because I guess like when I was a kid, those looked massive. Mm-hmm. But I was also a tiny child. Mm-hmm. And now they probably look just as big as Peggy. Who knows? I don't know. So my assumption is whenever people have, you know, for the my size Barbie might be a little different. But I would assume in a historical context, when you have dolls that are that large, they are meant to be like show pieces mm-hmm. as opposed to something that a little Right, which is why I said it kind of reminds me a lot of the American dolls. If you, I don't know if you know what those are, but they're like, no. um, yeah, they're apparently collectible dolls. They're very expensive from what I understand. I have no idea, but they're pretty, pretty large in size mm-hmm. and they're, you know, hard bodied. So they're not like soft, squishy. They're not like a raggedy Ann or anything. Yeah. And they have very elaborate clothing. Like historic dolls. Uh, historic dogs. Be- uh, t- doll. <laughs> dolls. And yeah, so I don't know. That's just what it reminded me. Interesting. Yeah, possessed objects and all that. So uh, no thrifting for a while. So no thrifting, apparently. We were yeah. supposed to go, actually, but oh well. And, and I know there's some people listening who was like, well, just don't get a doll chase. Well, <laughs> if you listen to the other episodes... This the dolls are only part of it, and I don't think I'm gonna get a doll Here's when I go thing. thrifting. It's a uh, it's the furniture and the objects and the stuff. You're like, this would look so good in our bar or in our library, and then it apparently has like. 10 possessed demons in it or something. Right, right. Um, so here's the thing. I do remember thrifting, if you remember, like, that tiki head or, like, buying a tiki head that was carved out. You did buy a thrifted tiki head, yeah. Yeah, and I remember being like, I don't know why, but this one's, like, really freaking me out. It nerv- It made me nervous, too. And then I was like, I got to buy it. So I was it- so mad at you. <laughs> so it lives in our tiki bar now, but I don't get weird vibes no, anymore. I think it's completely fine. Yeah. I think the reason we got weird vibes is it actually was creepy looking because it yeah. had very alien eyes and it was very alien-esque. Yeah. And you would have been upset by that because it's you're scared of Obviously. aliens. But to me, I was like, I'm, I'm used to tiki statues having like exaggerated features, but mm-hmm. I'm not used to them being like, we're supposed to be terrifying. Right. And that one definitely looked like it was trying to be terrifying. And I liked it. So. But no, it's, it, yeah, we actually have a, I think it's actually now a common style because after you bought mm-hmm. that, yeah, uh, a mug with almost the exact same shape. So we have both a mug and the uh, carved one. So that was the closest we got to maybe a haunted object. Cause I, Despite my negative feelings towards it, I still really wanted to buy it. 
fortunately, it worked out. So we're good, guys. Don't worry. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think we're fine. I'm sure. Not Unless mentally. that's when all our problems began. No, <laughs> kidding. Because that was a really long time ago. So, yeah. And I've had problems my whole life. Yeah, so <laughs> there you go. All right. So I have a particularly weird story, and it has nothing to do with uh, things you can't say or anything like that. So don't worry. Uh, stay with us for that one. We're going to take a break because Lily has powered through her dinosaur glass rum. <laughs> It's time to get her some more. I still have water, though, and we'll see you guys after the break. Okay, so we're back. I have more new rum, and I have Chase ready for my story. <laughs> All right, so I feel like I preface most of my stories by saying this is a weird one, which, yes, I'm going <laughs> to do here, but this one is so weird, I don't even know how to categorize it. It usually is discussed along with other UFO stories, but this story has no UFOs and no aliens in it. So it's not an end of episode encounter, but it's an end of episode something. <laughs> it's the sort of thing that Fox Mulder would have loved. So so it's an X-File. I mean, this would have gone down as an X-File because it involves government conspiracies and pretty supernatural concepts. Ooh. So today I'm going to talk about the Philadelphia Experiment. Okay. Now, some of you might have a weird look on your face right now because you're thinking, isn't that a movie? Well, yes. It's three <laughs> movies, actually. Oh, wow. The first one came out in 1984 and is a dramatization loosely based on the very story I'm about to discuss. With a 6.1 IMDb rating, I might have to give it a shot. I'm, I'm curious. Mm. Even though it was created by a director and stars that I've never heard of or anything like that, it seems like a small movie. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There was a sequel, creatively titled Philadelphia Experiment 2, released in 1993, <laughs> which, although it continues the story of the first movie, has nothing to do with the actual story I'm discussing today. And in 2012, we saw the third movie based on the events, also with the title The Philadelphia Experiment. This, however, was a sci-fi channel made-for-TV movie. Mm. And if you've ever seen anything on the sci-fi channel, you know we should probably avoid this at all costs. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them, and I'm pretty sure, even if you have, the real story is going to be quite different. So let's dive in, shall we? I should also mention that we might have to tighten our tinfoil hats extra tight tonight, because <laughs> this one's a doozy. I should also note that many of the sources have slightly different information from each other. So I'm doing my best mm. to create a singular narrative, but in the end, it means mine's probably just going to be as different as all the others, but Very I'm doing my should. best. Yeah. We have to go back to 1955 when a ufologist by the name of Morris K. Jessup published his book, The Case for UFOs. The book convinced Carl M. Allen to write a letter to Jessup under the assumed name Carlos Miguel Allende, telling him of a particular event that took place during World War II that he himself witnessed. Some accounts say it took place in the summer, but many others say that it was October 28, 1943. Allen claims to have witnessed a secret military experiment while he was on the SS Andrew Furuseth. Yeah, Furuseth, which was docked at the naval shipyard in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm. The experiment involved the USS Eldridge, which is a cannon-class destroyer. For context, that is not a small boat, measuring in at about 300 feet or 90 meters long. During the course of the experiment, the Eldritch began to glow a greenish-blue hue and then disappeared from sight, Ooh. effectively rendering the boat invisible. From the perspective of Alan, several minutes later, the Eldritch reappeared, 
only what reappeared was something from a nightmare. Many of the sailors on board the Eldritch had become embedded in the hull of the ship, their bodies permanently fused into the structure. Other sailors appear to have been frozen in time, unresponsive and unable to move, many of which were actually levitating in the air above the hull of the ship. The oh sailors gosh. that were still able to move appeared to have been overcome with madness, either moving in unnerving ways or screaming incoherently. It has also been suggested that the few sailors who survived the incident unscathed eventually died themselves, only it was mm. from mysterious illnesses. So, you think that's weird? It's very weird. So, okay, here, real quick. Mm -hmm. When you said, like, disappear, I thought you meant, like, oh, they figured out how to make people invisible. <laughs> you mean, like, they traveled somewhere left and then came back. So, a lot of the accounts of stories say that it was meant to make it invisible, but maybe something else happened. Uh, but I it see. actually gets a little bit weirder. Okay. According to the story, the Eldritch didn't just disappear. It rather momentarily teleported to the Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Virginia, about 200 to 250 miles south. Whoa. That's right. This story suggests that the U.S. military tested a technology to make ships invisible and quite possibly transport ships instantaneously across large distances. Now, before I go on, I just want to say that regardless of what elements of the story have merit or validity, it's one hell of a tale to hear. I can picture some pretty horrific stuff. And an article that was posted on military.com talking about the, the alleged event described it as, quote, that's some event horizon shit right there, end <laughs> quote. Which, if I'm being honest, sounds like it might have actually been some of the inspiration for the movie oh, Event I Horizon, which I love. Yeah. Now, as amazing as the story is, the biggest issue with it is that there just doesn't seem to be a lot of supporting evidence. For such a massive undertaking, you would think there would be a plethora of witnesses. And although Alan's correspondent suggested many people witnessed it in both naval shipyards, seeing both sides of it, mm -hmm. we haven't actually had any credible witnesses come forth to tell their story in the nearly 80 years since this alleged event. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people talking and saying they saw it. But I'm not sure any of them are worth listening to. We're going to talk about one of them a little bit later. <laughs> Their stories often contradict or change the original narrative that Alan posited. Okay. So there's conflicts. And it's kind of like, are you just a crazy person who said, yes, I've been there? So are these... Okay, so real quick question. You said that, you know, this experiment or whatever occurred. How many... What time of the day was this like? Middle of the day. Middle of the day. Yeah. Okay. At a military... So... Alan was on another boat, so you could see the boat from this boat, meaning it was open air. That's what I was. A lot of people could see it. The idea is naval shipyards are not empty or deserted, especially no. during World War II. They would have been bustling. Should have been a lot of people there. Okay, that makes that puts it more in perspective from yeah. what I was thinking. Okay. But outside of witnesses, there are many other factors that need to be considered. The idea that men were embedded in the ship would suggest a horrific cleanup and quite possibly the end for the USS Eldritch Service itself. Except it continued to function as a military vessel for three more years. And furthermore, there is a plethora of documentation from both the Eldritch and other boats with excruciatingly detailed accounts of the ship's movements. And like the missions, the things that it went on, where it oh, went, its okay. roster, everything like that. And most of it suggested that it wasn't even docked in the United States on this date during the alleged experiment. It was like coming back from Casablanca, I believe. Oh. And it was docked somewhere way further south, not even in the United States. And even this documentation suggests that the boat that Alan was supposed to be on, the, the Feruseth, wasn't docked 
anywhere in either Norfolk or Philadelphia as well uh. during this time. There's also issues because some of the stories say it happened in the summer without a specific date. The ones that give a specific date, though, say October, October 28th. So, and I know that anyone who's, you know, super conspiracy theorist can say that all the documentation could easily have been falsified. But the sheer depth and complexity of such a cover-up is likely to be full of other mistakes and miscalculations. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. endless books, documentations, ship ledgers, everything like this. You can see them in public archives, everything like this. They're not hidden. This is a lot of work just to cover up anything. That's true. When you don't have witnesses, this is a lot of work. Now, is it possible that there were two boats that were identical and they were trying to mimic so that way people are like confused? Oh, am I stepping on your... <laughs> no, no, you're not stepping on anything. I don't know uh, if you're... There's, we'll get a little bit more into some of the stuff people are talking about and you'll begin sure. to see what was probably happening. Yeah. Well, I can't be the only person that thought that up. Yeah, yeah. Unlike other mysterious conspiracies where the government response is either quiet or suspicious, the government's stance is quite level-headed, it's outspoken, and sound. This response was given when someone anonymously sent a copy of Jessup's book full of annotations about the alleged experiment Mm. to the Office of Naval uh, Research. Published in a document available to the public from the Office of Naval Research in Arlington, Virginia, the, quote, Naval District believed that the questions surrounding the so-called Philadelphia experiment arise from quite routine research which occurred during World War II at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. Until recently, it was believed that the foundation for the apocryphal stories arose from degaussing experiments which have the effect of making a ship undetectable or invisible to magnetic minds. Another likely genesis of the bizarre stories about levitation, teleportation, and effects on human crew members might be attributed to experiments with the generating plant of a destroyer, the USS Timmerman. In the 1950s, the ship was part of an experiment to test the effects of a small high-frequency generator providing 1,000 hertz instead of a standard 400 hertz. The higher-frequency generator produced coronal discharges and other well-known phenomena associated with high-frequency generators. None of the crew suffered effects from the experiment. The Office of Naval Research has never conducted any investigations on invisibility, either in 1943 or at any other time, and ONR was established in 1946. In view of present scientific knowledge, ONR scientists do not believe that such an experiment could be possible except in the realm of science fiction, end quote. This was a Mm. rather cut and dry where they said, look, we have some stuff that was happening that might have been misinterpreted, and I like that they literally said several things that they talked about the experiment about degaussing techniques because yeah. German mines, the ones that were below the water, they would be attracted to, they would be magnetic and attracted to the metal of the hole. So it makes sense that they were trying to avert that, come up yeah. with these things. And, and, and so if this guy was on a boat and he heard they're, they're doing experiments to make this boat invisible. And he's just like, well, this is crazy. And I'm going to make it sound even more, <laughs> fantastical when he wrote about it 12 years later when he wrote to a ufo believer right that's impressive though i mean they there was a response despite the fact that it could have very easily been ignored and and it's a thorough response too it's not just saying like we did not do that dot 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 we're done no they're like look we think this is kind of a joke and these are the things that they might have been just writing about but they're not writing about them particularly well yeah the rest of the document seems to approach the subject matter, and I read this whole document. I read, I found oh. a PDF of the official document. I just gave a quote of this, the juicy bits. But the rest <laughs> of the document seems to approach the subject matter of the Philadelphia experiment with considerable levity. 
it seems that many of the naval officials interested in the story had no intention of researching it or taking it seriously, but rather read it because the narrative was entertaining, fascinating, or just plain hilarious. They're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, look what some people are writing. You have to read this. Yeah. I have to say I appreciate that this official document acknowledged very real experiments that shared a similar time window and would have involved scientific concepts that would go over the head of your average layman with no scientific knowledge. It isn't out of the realm of possibility for a person with limited scientific knowledge to slowly misremember events over the 10 plus years before writing about it. Jacques F. Vallée wrote an article for the Journal of Scientific Exploration in 1994 that discussed this event in detail. Vallée suggests, and I could be pronouncing his name wrong, Mm -hmm. no disrespect. Vallée suggests, just as the official naval document did, that the experiment mentioned actually took place on the USS Ingstrom and involved using an electromagnetic field to degauss the ship, making it less likely to attract those German undersea mines that we were mentioning. This would have been seen as making it invisible, but not in reference to human vision, like what Allen had wrote. Yeah. Charles F. Goodeve, former commander of the Royal Canadian Navy, said this system was widely used during the later years of the war. He says this actually existed and it actually worked. Mm-hmm. And he was on ships that used it. Ah. So we're saying this experiment existed, it's not top secret, and it worked. Things were <laughs> happening. Right. Interviews with numerous vets who served on the ships suggested that the canals connecting the two naval yards would have allowed the ships to travel between them in only a few hours, owing to any accounts of the ships being in both yards on the same day. Valley also suggested that the horrifying nature of the story with accounts of men fused into the metal walls of the ship is the cause for the urban legend's longevity. Gruesome details are the very reason people are so fascinated with it. He was saying... There was a lot of missing information, but the reason people love this story and they don't let it go and they just hold on to it so tight is because of how gruesome and bizarre it is. It is. Yeah, that's such a horrifying image. And you're like, who would even come up with something like that? And you're like, I got to know more. I got to know more. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then there's the last fun and interesting nugget to this story. Ooh, a little nugget. Yeah. So remember earlier when I talked about uh, witnesses that maybe aren't worth listening to? (laughs) Tell me about them. Here we go. Thanks to a story on DailyNautica.com, I was able to learn of a man by the name of Alfred Bialik. Remember how I mentioned that the story had a shocking lack of witnesses, or at least credible (laughs) ones? Bialik would in no way be considered credible, and his account of the story actually hurts any ability to take it seriously. But I do think his story fits in quite nicely with the science fiction caliber nature of the original narrative. Mm. Alfred Bialik came out in 1990 to say he was one of the sailors lost during the Philadelphia's teleportation. He also claims that it wasn't an experiment to achieve matter transfer, but rather to develop a time machine. Oh. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. He said, no, teleportation, baby stuff. This was time travel. (laughs) Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, why why go there when you go the full way? But wait. It gets so much better. (laughs) This is incredible. He claims that during the experiment, he was teleported to the year 2137 for six weeks. Oh, wow. And then he was teleported <laughs> to the year 2749 for two whole years. So what What did he find out? So he first his first jump landed him in a hospital where he was allegedly treated for radiation injuries using light and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that on the I, I remember reading on the television, the only thing was educational programming and news. No other entertainment was allowed. 
Oh, yeah. okay. And this was in the States? You know, he, like, does, he doesn't quite say, but he does say he was able to see a map of the United States and that, like, most of Florida was underwater and stuff like this. Okay. Oh, yeah, it gets it gets kind of crazy. And then he said that one thing that he learned at this future point was that in the year 2005, which at that point would have been 15 years in the future, but is now over 15 years in the past, <laughs> he said there would be a massive military conflict involving China and Russia that would have been, oh. like, catastrophic and kind of led to the fall of modern civilization that the United States wasn't really there anymore, things like that. Interesting. Yeah. And when I say interesting, I mean, okay. <laughs> so his story got him minor celebrity status. People were paying him money for interviews. Like he was he was going on oh. radio shows and TV shows. People were like, we got to talk to this old guy. You got to let me know, did his stories get more elaborate the more places he interviewed or was he pretty consistent? They, there is a lot of inconsistencies in his story. Oh, okay. And when asked about things that didn't happen or were contradictory, his response would be, quote, well, after three jumps through space and time, it is normal that my memory is a bit jumbled, wouldn't you say? End quote. <laughs> Which is some rock say? solid argument, if if you ask me. <gasps> and so he also claims, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here what happened, is that some science professor or, or scientist in the 80s turned off the thing that was in the ship and it allowed him to come back in time. So he was stuck and then he came back. Oh. But the professor convinced him, you have to go back to the 40s to stop this from happening because that's the right thing to do, which is why if he actually was on the ship, he would have appeared the same after a few minutes, even though he would okay. have been gone for two years and six weeks or whatnot at the time. This is this is I science see. fiction to the extreme. Guy is batshit. There is no way I can take any of this credibly because he had nothing to give us about the future. Nothing. I really, I really want to see what he looks like. Just an old guy. I'm not joking. He looks like a junior. I mean, at the dude. time, though, was he old at the time? Well, the only that? pictures I've seen is while he's giving these interviews in the 90s. And oh, okay. He, if, he, if he, and I was also trying to find out can people verify he was actually in the military and on in the Navy and on these ships? And I was having trouble finding that information. Most of the sto- most of the uh, links I got from this are either people laughing at his story mm-hmm. and they're not doing any deep research. Or people who absolutely believe him, they're also not doing any deep research because if they did, they wouldn't be believing him. There's just no, there's none though. Yeah, so I was having trouble finding really good, hard evidence this other than he existed and he was telling these stories and he was on TV for it. Okay, I see. So Carl M. Allen, the man who first wrote of this alleged event, changed his account of the story over the years since 1955. Years after the story gained significant media attention, Alan claimed that it was a hoax that he invented. The reason? To scare Jessup into ceasing his research into unified field theory. Now, unified field theory oh. was something posed by Einstein that he was using as the argument for this teleportation and everything like that. Yeah. Apparently, Alan thought that this field of research was incredibly dangerous, and he claims that he wrote this to scare the writer to not look into this anymore, which sounds kind of weird and crazy and bizarre. <laughs> However, years later, Alan recanted that claim, restating that what he saw was true. Oh, Lord. Only to once again, years after that, claim that it was illegitimate and a hoax. So he's flip-flopping all over the place. And the problem is his flip-flopping hurts arguments both for and against the truth of this because you can't tell. What is he doing? Is he flip-flopping because he's lying is he flip-flopping because he's telling the truth is he scared doesn't who knows it's just it all of a sudden it just falls apart yeah 
Most of his later life, though, was shrouded in mystery, with him popping up in various locations under different assumed names, and he passed away on March 5th, 1994. So he definitely seemed like an eccentric and a weird guy. Yeah. And it's, you know... And you're talking about Alfred or Alan? Alan, the the guy who wrote the original story and talked about the Philadelphia experiment. Okay, okay. Now, I don't necessarily mean any disrespect, but... You know, the more eccentric you are, the harder it is going to be for people to take you seriously when you write things. I mean, that's true. If if you look like a loony and you say loony stories, people are going to say that's fake. But that's why credibility is such an important thing here. In the years since his first correspondence with Jessup, the Philadelphia experiment has gone down as one of the wildest and most enduring conspiracies slash urban legends in U.S. military history. The vast majority of people who have analyzed the data have concluded it is unquestionably a hoax. But its extreme and horrifying nature continues to inspire new conspiracy theorists every day when they hear it. Unlike many of my stories which have a fair number of arguments for or against them, this one is decidedly in favor of being an absolute hoax. But as far as hoaxes are concerned, it's quite an amazing story. Time travel, floating sailors, disappearing battleships, and incomprehensible body horror. (laughs) It sounds like it should be a movie. Or, or three. Or four. I thought you said there was four. I There's guess three. Oh. <laughs> As I was reading the story, it was very, it, it became pretty apparent that this didn't happen. But that doesn't change the fact that it's a really amazing story. It does sound like a movie. I'm sure that's why it became a movie or many movies. But I think the idea of us doing an experiment to make ships disappear and horrible things happen I don't know. It's just it's just a really fun story. It sounds like it would be a really cool movie. And I do want to see the first one yeah. at the very least. We can definitely give it a shot if we can find it somewhere not expensive. Now, is it under the genre horror or are they trying to make I it into like... I think it's science fiction. Oh, or science fiction. And as far as I yeah. can tell, the sequel jumps into the time travel concept of it. Mm, okay. And, and it's not directly, it's not like super historical because I think the original movie takes place in the 80s as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a new Philadelphia experiment as opposed to Oh, so the they're not re- recreating it. I think it. the new one, I, I don't know for sure though. You can't quote me on any of that stuff because then I'll just sound kooky like that <laughs> Alfred guy. And no one will take us seriously. Yeah. Oh no. For some reason, the US definitely has an obsession with science fiction and mythological stuff around World War II. Yeah. And we have things like Hellboy, which kind of talked about the occult That's stuff right. that was going on there. We just seem to love it. And this fits right into that. We we just like this idea that it's when we were the moral high ground and we were the saviors of the world and we were doing everything right, but we were doing everything to make sure we could win. And so were the evil people and all this the weird stuff people. that is now all top secret all happened. And I don't know. It, it just seemed like a fun bouncy story i mean it really like i've seen a couple of movies now where they really um channel some sort of paranormal or supernatural or very sci-fi time travel things that saved the day and i don't know those are my preferred world war one or two movies i don't like the the real ones the escapism like the real world war two movies i've seen a couple i've cried i'm okay i'm 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 good like i don't like them well and i couldn't get away from these this idea i'm trying to remember the name of the movie but we watched a movie years ago about this guy who claims that he built a time machine and everyone thought he was crazy but there was this one girl for some reason who thought maybe he actually did do it but she kind of didn't believe him she kind of did her oh it's called safety not guaranteed that's it safety not guaranteed yeah and it was an amazing movie i, I think recommend it has it to Aubrey plaza yeah and, and yeah. that one guy who's in a million movies but looks like 10 other guys yeah <laughs> I know he's exactly. an amazing actor. Like I, he's super great, but I, yeah, I yeah. can't keep his head straight in my head. 
Well, the, the, the movie's all about people not believing him, and she's struggling with whether or not she believes him. She's also going through, like, a crisis, like, a life crisis. She's just kind of, like, over everything, and she's just following this guy being like, whatever, it's an adventure. And at the end, you're like, oh, but, we don't know. But, we yeah, so we're not going to ruin anything with the ending. The ending actually doesn't even ruin itself. I couldn't stop thinking about this where... I knew, well, there's no way this experiment actually happened. Yeah. But I just played with the idea of if it had happened and it just was super interesting. <laughs> and so I think that's why people like it. It's just a it's just a crazy story. So. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my story. I thought it was a great one. <laughs> I love those stories. I love the escapism. That's like my favorite part of everything. So Well, I definitely stretch the idea because usually we try to do stories that at least there's enough people saying it's true that it's worth paying attention to. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone thinks this is true, or at least most people don't. But it was still, it's still massive in paranormal urban legend history yeah. that we have to talk about it. So I like it. But anyway, I guess that brings our episode to a close. I think so. So thank you guys for joining us here at Hair of the Werewolf. If you have any comments or questions, please drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. To any new listeners, we hope you enjoyed it and make sure to catch our next episode or deep dive in any of our previous 80 plus episodes. And for our longtime listeners at work or driving, have a safe day. And for those of you that are drinking, (laughs) we hope your tomorrow isn't too rough. But if it is, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. Bye. Bye.